Welcome to a tradition unlike any other, the Grip Strip Podcast. Hello, friends. My name is Phil Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. This is a tradition like no other, and we do this every week and talk about any type of racing, and it's great to talk about any of those series. So uh, glad to be here, and let's get started. I had to do it because it is Masters Week and it's Jim Nance is creaming himself at every moment he can speak. So this is and my buddy who works in accounting for CBS uh, is probably figuring, oh, my God, we pay him that much money um, because he's staying at CBS for the foreseeable future while he lives on his great house on the side of whatever green at a at, at Pebble Beach and all the other crap. Uh, the Masters, of course, starts tomorrow. Um, I'll be watching that with way more attention than what I would be um, to the racing, what little racing there is this weekend. But there is racing this weekend after Easter break. Um, you know, like being able to spend time with families and doing our thing. But now we're back to racing. Uh, NASCAR will be on a nice little stretch here, uh, starting with Martinsville. This weekend, uh, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500, um, saying all that crap is painful enough. So you probably need Blue Emu just to go and get through the read. Um, or just probably get some other drug that Noah Gregson does. But um, with that, we will start with um, not NASCAR. We're going to start with something else that will be starting tomorrow, two-day test taking place at Indianapolis Motor Speedway with virtually the entire field for this year's Indianapolis 500 getting a lot of testing time, which in this day and age of IndyCar is pretty unheard of. And to have basically the entire field there, you're going to have a great um, idea of what everybody has to has at least for now. I mean, we're a month away, more than a month away from uh, the actual practice week and the we, the lead up to the Indianapolis 500 itself. But to have, they've made some adjustments to the IndyCar oval package. Uh, our former guest on the show, Joey Barnes, who just got a job with Racer Magazine as an editor. So congrats to him. Uh, well-deserved, one of the best people there is in the sport in regards to the media and in general, um, wrote about how, at least at Texas Motor Speedway, because of the grip strip traction compound that they basically don't have, they have a one-groove racetrack, which is credit to Goosage for being Goosage, um, because the NASCAR, because this track sucks and NASCAR can't race there because it's a dump. Um, but Beside that, they have aero changes and they're hoping to make uh, a better show. But in terms of the test itself, and it'll be on the premium, the Peacock NBC premium channel all the next two days. Um, so you're going to be able to watch it if you have it. Um, but uh, what are you looking for, Josh, in regards to, uh, I guess, speeds or do you really care about speed at this point because we're about six weeks away I think from actual practice for Indy or do you look for the uh, raceability of this new package that they're bringing because it's 
become since the recent um, change to the, the, I think the spec oval package, I guess is what we would call it. It hasn't been as racy as it has been in recent years, even though we did have a great finish, uh, somewhat interesting finish at the Indianapolis 500 last August. Yeah, I think for this test, I think most of the top teams probably going to focus on the race setup and getting acclimated with uh, the new race package that they're going to go with here for the Indy 500. And, you know, maybe some teams will pull out the qualifying setup and at least establish, you know, some kind of baseline for qualifying. I could see that. Um, definitely the smaller teams, the ones that are most likely going to be on the bubble, probably going to focus a lot more on their qualifying pace, I think, than um, some of these other teams. You know, um, you know, some of the other teams that are one-offs, Definitely going to just put in a lot of time, put in laps, you know, like somebody like uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, who's got to uh, do his refresher test. And he's probably going to spend a lot of laps just, you know, getting in uh, race pace uh, for a bit, maybe a little bit of qualifying. Uh, could see, you know, Cody Ware, he's got to do his uh, ROP, the rookie orientation program. So, you know, some of those guys, they're going to definitely spend a, a lot of seat time uh, just getting uh, reacclimated into the car after you know not being in an Indy car for a long time, or even ever being in Indy car for those who have never driven one, like Cody Ware. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see like what type of speeds we see uh, as far as race pace. I imagine it's probably going to be you know somewhere within the 215 mile per hour range to 225 for race speed. Um, if anybody goes for a qualifying speed, you know probably somewhere you know around the 230s range. Yeah, but I, I would would highly doubt if they went over 230 miles an hour, if they tried a qualifying setup. Um, but I think, you know, for the race, uh, setup, like if they decide to get into a pack, I think, you know, the biggest thing you have to look for is how much of a run can you get behind a car going down the straightaway on the front stretch and on the back stretch. And then, you know, if you're able to either hang it on the outside and, you know, make a run on the, you know, or pass the guy on the outside going to turn one or turn three, or, you know, if you can, uh, make a late move and, uh, you know, duck to the bottom in uh, turn one and two. Um, and, and then if the uh, car that you pass, if they can draft back up to you and pass them uh, within the same lap or, you know, on the next lap. So I, th I think for the race, uh, the new race package, I think that's going to be what they look for is just, you know, the, the ability to pass. And, and um, you know, also like if, if you can pass like before the turn as well um, and, you know, just the uh, ability to do that, how often you can, make those moves so it'll be interesting to see like what type of uh racing we might see at the open test or we may not see any of it maybe they all just go out there and you know just do single car runs or something like that and they just all want to establish a baseline maybe that'll be at least on thursday we'll see but uh we'll probably get a little bit of a preview maybe of what uh the indy 500 might look like in may and, you know, I think also there may be a, a team or two that decides to sandbag and then just completely hide what they've got uh, for this for this race coming up in May. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, I'm not looking for like any like particular team to put their car on the top of the charts or whatever. But, you know, I think it's just important to um, get as much data as as much as they can and and just uh, get a lot of time behind the wheel for the drivers. Yeah, the notion of being able to get like when you think about Andretti they're not going to have their full allotment of six cars I don't think at the test I'm trying to think off the top of my head because or maybe they are um I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who's going to be there 
uh, for the because Marco um, is it going to be Marco's year? No, it isn't. Um, it never will be. Um, he's uh, he announced his sponsor, uh, which was a sponsor. I think Gleaners. They were on uh, Colton Herta's car uh, last year. I think at Indy or at one of them races. He was. Um, they or will be on that ninety eight car, and then you'll have. It looks like yeah. So, and look at that name. That is ridiculous. So he's got so Andretti, Herda, Halpert Autosport with Marco Andretti and Curb Agagenian. Good lord, what a joke. Um. Yeah, so then Andretti Autosport has three cars. That's four with Marco's car, which is his car anyway. And then James Hinchcliffe is five. So there's the one uh, missing driver there. You have uh, uh, Maggot Moron Santucci returning in the number 45 car, ironically, um, for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. So they don't have the dumbest name anymore. Dale Coin Racing and Vassar Sullivan. Marco's got them all beat. He's not going to be any good, but he'll have the longest name out of any team owner out of uh, in this series for the Cindy 500. Penske has four cars, plus they're supporting Simona Di Silvestro and Peretta Autosport. Beth Peretta, who used to be a part of uh, the SRT Mo- Motorsports, Mopar, uh, Dodge Vipers, uh, the whatever you call TA2 Dodge Challenger program uh, of that uh, time a few years ago. Uh, she owns this team. It's going to be a women, uh, all-woman team and women-centric program with uh, Penske support and Chevy engines. So that'll be an interesting combination. Simona Di Silvestro returning to Amer- America, re- returning to the IndyCar series. be great to see. Elio Castro Dash Neves um, going to drive a Honda at uh, Indianapolis for um, for the first time, like when it wasn't like the spec engine um, in since uh, yeah first first time as it not being a spec engine because before that the Penske team was a Toyota team or a Chevy team or Oldsmobile or whatever going back to the IRL days. And then the spec time, and then they went to Chevy again um, once that came along. Uh, you have Dale Coyne Racing will have uh, Pietro Fittipaldi and Cody Ware. Uh, that'll be great uh, for the world. Um, but for Pietro, I mean, he's really, really good. He's really fast, so he's a tough out he'll be interesting if he gets the time so they'll have three cars in this race um or they're hoping for three cars chilton will be the only carlin car um cheap ganassi racing will have antoine canon and the american legion number 48 car uh, so the short brazilian guy with no hair drives the american legion car um you know can't make this crap up um you know, Dalton Kellett, who's, uh, you know, uh, Josh seems to have a connection with, and it seems like Dalton Kellett's willing to go on podcasts. We probably want to go and ask him to come on here. Yeah. Um, 
we'll probably will work on that um, in regards to, um, yeah, that's the field basically. I mean, all the other usual suspects in regards to the regulars are in there um, and we'll find out a little bit. Of course, Juan Pablo driving a Peter Revson tribute uh, for this uh, Indianapolis 500 first Indy 500 attempt in a few years since 17 uh, two-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, one of the best uh, open wheel racing drive, one of the best race car drivers I've ever seen in my life. Um, no matter the same people who denigrate certain people in the cup series right now or in NASCAR in general, um, denigrate Juan Pablo Montoya, um, you're wrong. Um, you don't have to like his personality. I can see why people may not, but I also can say that he has proven it and um, he can have it uh, based on the kind of people he's beaten and the challenges he's given to the greatest, there's a, a, the greatest drivers ever. I think he can walk around with, with his junk out um, at this point in his life. And he probably does anyway, but um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, the IndyCar season, we're only like less than two weeks away from Baba. Um, and you know, this season is going to be, they've, they've already got the marketing out. They had the video out, um, you know, they go and had, was it, uh, the new, the new thing is defy everything is their new, um, slogan or brand campaign or whatever they want to call it. So you have all this energy towards, uh, the IndyCar season and IndyCar series. Oh, they have jerseys now. Oh, so they're just like freaking bowling. Um, you know, there's a lot of positive mojo going on here. And after last year's title fight, which the first half of the season was Scott Dixon domination, and then the second half of the season was Joseph Newgarden. And then you add some of these other pieces here. You have Colton Herta with a fully sponsored car for the first time in his career. Um, you have Pato Award, who's been showing great speed in testing and has always been considered one of the best, or for a long time has been considered one of the best young talents in the sport. So that rivalry between those two guys is there, and they're going to be moving forward. It's as, a, as deep of an IndyCar field as I think. I mean, I think a lot of these guys have already been here, but the fact is I think this is as tight of a field as we have had in a long time in the IndyCar series. And it's a very positive sign in regards to even in our, in the pandemic time and all the stuff that's going on and um, likelihood of some races having to be moved to be as positive in regards to the health of the series. And with some of the other moves that Roger Penske and company are doing, not only at the speedway, but also with the series to build diversity um, in a time where there's segments of our country that are trying to go the other way. Um, I think it's a positive sign for sure, Josh. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned that in regards to the, the quality of what we're going to see here in a couple of weeks time, how tough it's going to be to make qualifying two, let alone making the Firestone fast six, forget that, like actually making it out of qualifying one to be in the top 12 is going to be intense at every road and street circuit this year. And then when you consider how 
the big names in the rookie battle. Some guy who's won seven NASCAR championships. Um, he's driving for Chip Ganassi Racing, and he's getting a lot of promotion and a lot of diecast sales too in the process. Um, then you have Scott McLaughlin, three-time V8 Supercars champion. You have Roman Grosjean, who almost ate it a few months ago and is now driving an Indy car, um, but has been in a Formula One for years. And, you know, like the, there's a lot of intrigue in this 2021 season. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of interesting storylines going into the year. And, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Jimmy Johnson going to be on the the road course schedule for the 48 car for Chip Ganassi Racing, which, you know, we saw the clip of uh, him saying driver for Chip Ganassi Racing, which is, you know, very weird to hear after 20 years of being the driver for Hendrick Motorsports in the 48 Lowe's car and in Ally Bank car. But, um, you know, him and then Tony Kahn coming back, at least for this year, uh, driving on the ovals, it's going to be an interesting pairing um, for sure. And then Scott McLaughlin, I mean, we talk about him being a rookie. I mean, I expect a lot of him uh, as a rookie this year and what he's going to do behind the wheel of that car. You know, he's had a lot of talent in supercars and he's won a lot of championships there. So I would expect him to, I don't know about title contender, but definitely like somebody who can finish uh, high up in the points, you know, something like fifth or above. I think that's probably the expectation for him. Um, whether he is successful on ovals, I think that's probably the question. You know, he's definitely a, a guy that can get around a road course or a street course. Um, I don't think he'll have that much uh, time adjusting to ovals and or difficulty adjusting to ovals. So um, I expect him to be a contender when they get to places like Texas and then Indianapolis uh, and then uh, Gateway later in the year uh, for the oval stuff. But I mean, he is the only driver that is a full-time rookie as of now. And then you got Jimmy Johnson on the road courses and then uh, Romain Grosjean uh, in the road courses as well for Rick Ware Racing in the 51 car. So that'll be an interesting battle. Like, you know, the results between Grosjean, who's been an acclimated uh, open wheel driver in Formula One versus Jimmy Johnson, who's now beginning his open wheel career, uh, how they compare in an Indy car coming from two, you know, different, but somewhat similar series. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of results, uh, those two cars or those two guys get, um, you know, one's going to be in a car that's, you know, kind of underfunded in the Dale coin with Rick Ware. And then obviously you got Jimmy Johnson in, uh, his, you know, well-funded, uh, Carvana car with, uh, Chip Ganassi. So that'll be interesting battle. Then also some of these, uh, guys that are kind of coming back to the series, you know, talk about a guy like James Hinchcliffe who's been a part-timer for, you know, the last year or so, and is now coming back uh, full-time with uh, Andretti Autosport with funding from Steinbrenner. So that's going to be an interesting, um, you know, season for him if he's able to uh, get back to kind of where he was or even better than what he, he had uh, at uh, Aero uh, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, and it's just now McLaren. And then that's also another storyline is with McLaren, you know, you've got, Pato Award now in his second year there as a full-time driver. And then you got Felix Rosenquist, who's now uh, the new driver in the number seven, replacing Oliver Askew. So that's that's another interesting pairing there. Uh, you know, Pato Award, I mean, we expect a lot of out of, out of him uh, last year. Probably should have won at least one or two races. You know, probably should have won Road America and then probably should have won uh, the one of the Iowa races, uh, I think the first one. So for him, you know, to be able to almost win those races, I think, this year, you can probably turn those into wins. 
and then possibly be there at the end for uh, the title. Um, if, if not, then he'll be definitely on the podium as far as the uh, end of the year point standings goes. And then for Felix Rosenquist, you know, he uh, didn't have as much success as Scott Dixon, obviously, at Chip Ganassi, but now he moves over uh, to the seven car. Um, does he get better results than what he had at Chip Ganassi, or are they the same? I think, you know, that's the question for him. Um, you know, other guys around the series, uh, you know, you've got uh, Connor Daly going to be uh, in the road courses again for uh, Ed Carpenter. Uh, what kind of results does he get? Uh, and then also, you know, he's going to be in Indianapolis uh, in that car and the 47 car. So, you know, he's going to be bouncing around rides again, but uh, if he's able to still kind of contend uh, in races, I think that's something you have to look for. And I think, you know, another driver you have to talk about is somebody uh, like Pedro Fittipaldi, who's currently a test driver in formula one for Haas. But then he's also going to be doing some road courses and he'll be competing in the Indianapolis 500 as well. And that's going to be an interesting race to see for him if, if he's able to, um, you know, put the 51 car, you know, in the mid pack or at least, you know, midfield, something like that. Uh, he's a very talented driver. So, uh, I, you know, I expect a lot of, out of him in, in that car. So a lot of interesting storylines, though, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of positivity going around the series uh, going into uh, this year. Definitely going to be very competitive all the way down to the uh, you know, last race at um, Long Beach or, or at Laguna Seca. So it's definitely a, a lot to look forward for the IndyCar series. And that's part of what we'll be getting into here shortly. This next uh, week or so, hopefully going to make some collabs and really get into not only the IndyCar series, but also now Formula One, now that they've basically had another break. And once they get started with the Parmigiano-Reggiano uh, Grand Prix um, at uh, Imola, we'll, uh, you know, we'll get into that in more detail since the season will kind of really take off at that point. So a lot of the other series that are more interesting have a little more intrigue, uh, less gimmicks. We'll get into that in more detail. Uh, Formula One, speaking of that, uh, there is agreement here today of um, F1 sprint race plan for finances so that for three races this year, first one would be the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Then they would also have Monza and Brazil uh, 100 kilometer races on Saturday to set the field for Sunday instead of a qualifying session. Um, definite change, but the the thing of trying to go and change things up a little bit, you know, some teams may not be able to commit as much into the qualifying aspect or they don't have as good of a car on low tanks. So they're trying to maybe change something up with the um, sprint race format, which in its own right allows for, could really make, could make a difference uh, because there are points being given for those races that could make the difference, whether um, for the battle that we have right now, which is basically Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, it could make a difference within their championship battle. It could make a difference for some of the other midfield battles. Um and then the other piece, and credit to motorsport.com uh, for a lot of the 
kind of uh, the content here, um, especially on the Formula One side with the sprint races. And then um, they also have an article Jonathan Noble uh, wrote in regards to um, the um, Putin Haas team uh, talking about battling or no, not you know, they didn't say that. That was Capito. Um, sorry, right? Yeah, no. Um, battle should have taken you to do what? Um, yeah, that's dumb. Enraged and unknowing. Known Schumacher in Brazil. What? Can you make that? That's 1992, though. That's okay. Yeah. Sports, yeah, sports look weird like that. Yeah. Um, and then the, I think it was, yeah, it was on racer.com that, um, I think, uh, what's his name, uh, from Putin Haas said that, uh, they're battling. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Medlin wrote that, that, um, Gunther Steiner said Haas battles with Williams. I'm like, no. Your battles with Vladdy to see if you're still going to have money by the end of the year because your team sucks dick. That's where your battle is. Um, and your battle is to see if you guys can go more than a couple of laps with Nikita Marzipan not spinning the car out or hitting something. That's where your battle is because you're not even going to develop your car. The Formula 2 car is going to be faster than their car by the end of the year at the rate they're going. So, Yeah, their battle, I mean, with Williams is just on the result sheet, but I mean, other than that, you know, they, they don't have any pace. I mean, it, it, you, you could probably take Fernando Alonso's car from 2017 when he was at McLaren and they had the GP2 engine in that yeah. car. That's that car is probably better than Haas's car this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, even without Fernando Alonso driving, I mean, you could put the two drivers, you could put Sch- Schumacher and Maceman in, in those, in that car, and it would be faster than the Haas car probably. So that's just how bad they are. But I mean, obviously they're not focusing on this year as uh, much. They're just there. So they don't get fined basically. Um, yeah. And they'll, they'll be there in 2021 if they have funding, I suppose. Yeah. And the other piece, I think that, you know, in terms of sprint races, do you really, I, I mean, I don't know how much of a difference they really make in the grand scheme of things, but the choices of the racetracks that they're going to, I think, and at least, in the sense of um, Silverstone, Monza, and Interlagos, there's multiple uh, DRS zones. So there is that. Um, does it really, do you, would it really push the needle for you in regards to your weekend commitment in regards to watching the races instead of, you know, having to really watch Sunday? And man, yeah, I mean, for me, I'll watch. I'll definitely watch Saturday and Sunday anyway, whatever they do. But what do you think? I think for me, like, uh, you know, watching formula one, like qualifying is exciting, you know, going through Q1 and then seeing who makes it past Q2 and then Q3. Um, I mean, that's always been exciting, uh, as a, you know, as a race fan, just the, the challenge of that. But then now you have a different challenge here with these sprint races and, Feel like you know ultimately who finishes first in these sprint races is probably who would ultimately end up qualifying first but then i think the challenge is really going to be in i guess the midfield or if you know somebody up front has a you know surprise result and 
struggles with the handling or something like that. And they end up finishing in the sprint race lower than what they would expect to qualify in. So, you know, that could definitely shake things up, but then, you know, like there, there is the added risk, uh, of having a race because, you know, there's a potential for a crash or something like that. Um, I mean, not like there really is a whole lot of crashes in formula one, but, uh, you know, you can see a lot of action occurring, trying to, I guess if, if there's, you know, any extra incentive to qualifying up, up front for the main race, um, potentially maybe a, a crash or something like that. But for the most part, I mean, it's basically going to be processional. I feel like, uh, I think, you know, for the top teams like Mercedes, Red Bull, they'll, they'll run and, you know, qualify or, or finish up front in these sprint races. Um, you know, maybe we see a team like, uh, Williams or something, you know, get a surprise, like top. 10 result or something like that and start at least in the points. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get, uh, well, they're okay. So the Saturday race is going to offer a few points for uh, the title, I guess, and then set the grid for the main event. So, you know, it's basically like how we have here in America qualifying heat races. Um, you know, like we have the, you know, the Gatorade dual races and in, in NASCAR for the Daytona 500. And then, you know, a lot of the smaller series and short track racing have qualifying heat races and, you know, we see that in the dirt tracks as well. So it would be at least, you know, the atmosphere could be something like that. Um, but at the same time, um, I mean, it will be exciting because it's new, but then I think by the time we get to the third one, uh, I think maybe people will be more in favor of just going back to having regular qualifying, but we'll see maybe all three of those events are exciting. And then we're all like, Oh, let's go change the qualifying procedure for formula one to just have sprint races for it. And then, uh, that'll set the field that uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see though. That's something we're going to find out, I guess, because it seems like it's going to happen here. Uh, they're going to vote on it during the, um, the, uh, whatever, um, Parmigiano Reggiano, um, matzo chicken, but the chicken Parmesan Grand Prix at, at Imola. Um, they're going to vote on that to see, um, just call it the freaking San Marino ground. Like I hate the fact that formula one has these stupid names for the grand prix now they do them based on locality or whatever. And I'm like, just, just call it what it was for like decades. And it worked just fine. It was a San Marino grand prix and it was fine. Um, you know, like what are the, the, but they can't do that. They'd have to make it freaking whatever the hell it is. So we'll uh, definitely keep talking about Formula One as we get closer to Imola, uh, which is definitely not going to be anywhere near as interesting as uh, Bahrain was a couple weeks ago. Um, NASCAR talk before we get into Martinsville later on. Uh, in regards to uh, things that have come up, the the lineups for both races are out there you've had gen the gen seven car is going to be revealed in just under a month's time um with um, all three manufacturers showing their specific bodywork or whatever the hell it's going to be uh recent announcement was uh joey gase and uh rick ware racing will be um, running a 28 car that is 
basically, uh, you know, throwback to the Texaco Havilland Ford from uh, 1992. Um, that that would be a really interesting, um, cool thing to see. Um, I mean, for me as a as a fan of Davy Allison, uh, it's something to to look at and uh, really give, I mean, it's credit to them, even though they're going to suck. I I think it's cool, but um, yeah, I I think uh, there's a whole lot to go over there. Gen seven car, Davy Allison, the stretch of races coming up here uh, on the schedule um, is going to be pretty uh, difficult. You're going to have, uh, they're not going to have an off week until July. Now they're going to have the, uh, the, for the Olympics because of NBC or whatever, they're going to have however many races it looks like it's going to be to, um, eight and 20, you know, 14 races in a row. Um, they're going to be running, at Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, Kansas, and then the mother's day race at Darlington. Um, which will be the first of two races there. The one race at Dover will pro, will proceed Coda's debut on the Cup Series schedule before they go to the Coca-Cola 600. Then the next week after Charlotte will be Snoroma, um, which is an interesting placement. Then they'll have the All-Star Race at Texas. Ugh. Um, and I'll be on a Sunday, supposedly, um, which I guess is theoretically an off week because it'll be on a, but whatever, it's an all-star race. Then the uh, the first race at Nashville Super Speedway in a long time will be the first race of the um, NBC package, which will be an afternoon race on NBCSN. Then they'll have the double header at Pocono, which will be on NBC is different than before road america's debut in the cup series then uh atlanta's race which will be basically what kentucky's spot was the quaker state 400 so it'll be a 400 miler at atlanta and then they'll have new hampshire before a two-week break the Watkins Glen, indy michigan the one race at michigan this year and then the Coke zero 400 before the playoffs start. So it'll be a tough stretch there for teams and on, especially the people that work on the cars and transport the cars and that whole thing. So it's going to be a real grind. Uh, a lot of what this season is going to be about is going to be made in this next period for sure. Um, the last thing I wanted to go over was there's a shitty show um you know i we all have our it seems like a lot of us have podcasts I, it took me a long time to get my own deal going and i'm glad that josh and i have been able to uh for the people that do listen to it we're thankful to you um but then there's definitely segments of the space with air quotes uh who seem to want to get ratios and um, slander people and one particular show wanted to go and pile on probably because they hate Bubba because he's black uh, and go and crap on 2311 and their performance 
so far this year, which has been uh, Bubba's made his mistakes, I'm sure. And he's not the sharp. He's not the best driver. He's not the worst. He's a middle of the roader. And I'll say that. And I'm a fan of his. He's a middle of the road guy. He's not a middle of the road person. He's a great, he's a good person. He has a person. He actually has a personality. He's genuine. He cares. You know, there's a whole lot of good there. Problem is people don't want to listen to it. You know, I compare him a lot to um, the personality to Willie T. Um, People didn't want to deal with Willie T. And he got, you know, denigrated and ran through into the ground. And, you know, the, he was never really given the shot that he should have been. And, at least in this case, Bubba Wallace is getting that shot. Um, fifth Gibbs car, basically, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Brand new organization, brand new facility, a whole lot of new. You have a crew chief that um, I think this person was trying to compare them and track house. You have a brand new organization just basically acquiring equipment that was with that Levine family and Bob Levine's a waste of time. That's why he's out of the sport. Um, and then they acquired points or whatever from the 13 car, which is also out of the sport. So it tells you, you know, you're basically starting from scratch. Uh, track house took, uh, I mean, Justin Marks is a great businessman and he's a bracer first and foremost, of course, Danny Hamlin, but he would never owned a car. You know, Justin Marks has been an owner for many years in multiple forms of racing. He's also been a driver, too. He understands the nuances of the sport. You also have a Daniel Suarez, who has a good, solid base to work off of experience-wise. You have Richard Childress, who over time has been a relatively good customer car provider, not as much in recent years, but you kind of have a lot more going for the track house team. You have Travis Mack, who has proven at times to be a pretty good crew chief as well, versus Mike Wheeler, who there's a reason why he wasn't employed as a crew chief for the last few years. Um, some of the decisions that he has made this year, um, and like Daytona, after they had a great race car, not only in qualifying, but then in the 150 races, uh, they figure out a way to get the thing to fail inspection, I don't know how many times, and send him to the back. And then they weren't really a factor in the race. Uh, the ridiculous decision at Phoenix. Uh, there's there's a couple other things. I mean, Wheeler's not great. Um, Denny Hamlin, ever since getting rid of him, has been a way different driver and even taking a step forward in a lot of ways. So that was my, I mean, it's, it's convenient uh, to go and talk about and move the, the goalposts because of the token black guy. Um, but he's not that it's not just him. I, I mean, it's a team. People don't want to like him, and that's fine. You don't have to like him, but you have to also, if you're going to call a spade a spade, you need to talk about guys like D burrito who sucks, who basically has always sucked. And the only reason he has a following and a relevance is because he's a roided out, juiced out guy who people on Reddit like for whatever reason. And, He's a he's worse. He's a worse driver than even Bubba is, you know, based on statistics. I mean, you know, and I'm talking about hardware. I'm like, you can get into semantics and say, oh, is it average vintage was bad? That and the other thing, like, yeah, I'm sure it is. Like, he drove bad cars for a few years too, 
Um, and then now he's been a good car. I think they're good car average. You can make an argument. I mean, the reality is the first time I think Bubba Wallace has been a really good car um, when they put things together versus what Dee Burrito has had. You have Eric Almirolos trying to flame himself out of the Cup Series. The whole entire Stuart Hopps racing organization outside of Kevin Harvick is nowhere. You know, and I'm my favorite driver drives for them. You know, like you have drivers that are teams that are really, really bad right now that have experience, that have, you know, backing and whatever. And you, you're you going to go and focus on, you know, bubble walls. I'm like, okay. I, I don't think TV helps, but I hope that Martinsville uh, is a good, uh, solid start towards the momentum moving forward for him because it's one of his best racetracks. He's won multiple truck series races there. He won the in the tribute truck to, um, uh, what do you call um Wendell Scott? Wendell Scott, yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, and then um, he ran that great car. Uh, last June. And, uh, I think he got a good finish. We probably get out a better finish, uh, pissed off a lot of people, which makes me happy. Um, you know, there, he's always been good at Martinsville. And so I think Martinsville, Richmond, I think a lot of the tracks they were in a stretch where also these are good Denny Hamlin tracks. I know Brad talked about, this is a good stretch of tracks for him. But it's also a good stretch of tracks for Denny. And I figure tracks that Denny is really, really good at are tracks that Bubba's going to end up being good at because that's who he drives for. Um, the, I, the, the information is there and his motivation is there. And, of course, you have that guy who's one of the greatest athletes in the history of sports who's the main backer uh the figurehead of the organization and and i and i mean i guess i that's i could go off on this thing too and i'm going to the reality is he went michael jordan invested in ama superbikes and he went and ran an ama superbike team what did he do he had his own jordan brand on one of them and he got some other sponsor i forget what the initial sponsor was for the other bike but then he eventually got the national guard and he had two bikes he went to the best team in in the AMA Superbike Championship at that time, which was Yoshimir Suzuki. And they weren't a factor initially. I think it took them until like year two or three to really be a factor on a weekly basis. Because Yoshimir Suzuki was so far ahead of them, whoever it was, whether it was Maladin, Spees, whatever. They were not an immediate factor. Even though he had all the money, you have Michael Jordan, who's a passionate motorcycle racer, all this, getting great people, all that stuff. He's done the same exact thing here. You can't, and it's even harder in the Cup Series than it is in fucking AMA Superbikes when you really only had about four people to beat back then, or five, or whatever, and you were in there. You're talking about 20. I mean, it's nowhere near as competitive as it used to be, but in theory, you could make a case there's about 20 cars that are competitive on a weekly basis or should be. And there's more than that in theory, but, and you're showing up and trying to run a brand new scratch organization. That's asking a lot. And now you're going to be getting a brand new car into things. You have some of this other stuff. 
Bubba's horrible on road courses. So that's going to be a problem here later in the season once all these road courses come along. Uh, there is a lot to get through. And to be a new organization in this sport is brutal. Uh, very few organizations that come up new that try to be uh, bringing themselves in and try to compete, they can maybe make a couple of years um, and then they flame out. Well, he wants a long-term program. Um, it's going to take time, but that's the truth. It's going to take time, whether it's him, whether it's the track house team or whatever. Um, there's a lot I went over there, Josh. Uh, went off on a couple of things on fucking track house and, and whatever, 2311. But uh, what did you uh, want to say in regards to, like, the, I guess, uh, all of that? I, I mean, there's you could go wherever you want to go with that. No, I mean, for, you know, Bubba Wallace, I mean, he hasn't had the greatest start to the year. Um, but when you look at how he's been running uh, throughout the season, I mean, he's mostly been, you know, between 15th and 20th throughout the races uh and then you know yet he's got like some bad luck you know like last week or the last race at bristol like he was running top 10 and then uh got contact with ricky stenhouse and then flat tire and then they didn't throw the caution for whatever reason you know, nascar not being consistent with how they throw the cautions there and then ends up finishing two laps down in 27th um you know the daytona like they were you know in the top 10 for the most part and then you know, their strategy at the very end just wasn't good for Toyota and that kind of, well, he, I think he had a loose wheel or something too, and he had to go down pit road. So there, there's a lot, a lot to factor into his finishes versus Daniel Soares. I mean, Soares has also kind of had the same finishes for the most part um, until Bristol. Um, when you look at it, I mean, he led some laps at Las Vegas and then got stage points uh, at other tracks like, yeah, I think at Atlanta. Um, so, you know, they're starting to get some results, but, you know, it's not like they're setting the world on fire either. Um, you know, they just got kind of lucky, I guess, at Bristol. So, I mean, whatever comparison to from Trackhouse as a team and 2311 as a team, and then Daniel Suarez as a driver and Bob Wallace as a driver, I mean, it's in the Cup Series, at least, you know, it's recency bias um, saying that one team is better or one driver is better than the other right now i mean yeah i guess technically you know it is you know daniel Suarez is better than bubble walls right now but then let's look at the end of the year when they go down at uh phoenix i mean who's going to be higher than points or there like is it going to be daniel Suarez or is it going to be bubble wallace so i think that you know that's the question and going into the season like i didn't really have a whole lot of expectations for both of the teams um i didn't have a really an expectation for where track house was going to be because you know, they were a completely brand new team. I mean, granted, they are getting in-house support from Richard Childress Racing and Chevrolet. But at the same time, like, we didn't know, like, which team they were taking over because typically the way it goes right now, and in case of 2311, like, they took over Levine Family Racing's assets, essentially. And then, well, not their assets because that went to another team, but they basically took over the car. And then they got the points from the 13. But the 99 car is more of a new team, I guess. In you know, from that sense and that technicality. Um, so we didn't really know what was going to be of them. And then Bubba Wallace in the 2311 car, like, you know, they, they were taking over the car from the, the 95. They're still going to get support from Joe Gibbs Racing. But I feel like, you know, they're 
acting a little bit more independent from Joe Gibbs racing somewhat to, to, to a degree, you know, there's probably a lot of support from Toyota, from Joe Gibbs racing, but for the most part, they are probably a bit more independent than track houses in the relationship that they have with, uh, children's racing. So, you know, they're, they're going to probably make a little bit more mistakes, um, trying to do it a little bit more on their own, but you know, for my expectation for them, like, wasn't sure what it's going to be looking like until probably the middle of the season. So, you know, by the middle of the season, you know, they're, um, improved to be competing in the top 10, um, you know, fifth through 10th place somewhere in there at most races by the middle of the season. I, you know, think that'd be a success for this year. And then if they can get a race or two under their, you know, race win or two under their belts, that'd be great as well. And I know, you know, Michael Jordan has expectations, but that's because he's Michael Jordan. You know, he's always going to expect his teams to go out there and compete and win, but he knows how hard it's, uh, to win in the cup series. I mean, he's been a fan of racing his entire life and, you know, he's seen how, from a fan's perspective of how tough it is. And you know, he's very inquisitive. And as a fan, like, you know, he'll ask Danny Hamlin, like, Hey, what happened at this race? And why'd you finish here versus there? You know, when he was a fan and now he's an actual owner. So now he has to really understand why, like, uh, Michael Wheeler, maybe not making the best strategy calls as a crew chief or why did they fail inspection at Daytona at the first race of the year? And, you know, they'll, they'll grow as a team and you know, hopefully they can uh, get better finishes as we progress throughout the season. So, um, you know, for right now, I mean, it would be nice, you know, because of the attention that Michael Jordan brings to the team, especially, you know, with Daytona being the first, basically the first two races of the year, um, obviously they didn't have the finishes that they wanted, but still, uh, it would have been great if they had finished, you know, in the top 10 or something, because that would have definitely helped a lot with, uh, attention and viewership on TV and stuff like that. So, uh, um, not the greatest start, but definitely by the end of the year, I think 2311 will be, uh, a little bit better of a contender than they are right now. And, you know, bubble Wallace will improve his driver from here uh, until, or from now until then. So a, a lot to see and lots to look forward to for you know, both Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. But, you know, right now, just in the middle of the season, let's wait until the end of the year. Yeah. And, the, and for the diversity aspect, when we're considering certain things that are going on right now, uh, the two guys that are basically the diversity in the sport being with these new organizations, but they, they have teams I want to build with them. Uh, versus where they have been, in a sense, is a positive. I'm sure RPM supposedly wanted to give him ownership stake, but, you know, God bless Eric Jones and having Baxter with them. They're going to run good maybe once every six weeks, the same way as what they were doing with Bubba Walls. And that's with Eric Jones, who most people consider a great talent, but Joe Gibbs ran him out the door. So, and Dave Daniel Suarez got ran out the door and then they didn't have any money and they didn't want to keep Bubba Wallace around, which is why he ended up having to go to Roush to run an Xfinity car. So, you know, all these things, you can go and get into semantics about it and who's good, who's not. Um, there are certain teams that are going to compete every week. There are certain teams that are going to compete once every few weeks. There are certain teams that are just going to suck, like uh, the Double Zero or Rick Ware or, or whatever. You know, like that's that's just what the sport is. Um, you want Bubba Walls to compete like Denny Hamlin. Well, Denny Hamlin came out of like 
like uh, shot out of a canyon that was back all the way back in 2006 when he was a rookie. Um, he's been at this for a long time. That's why he's a Hall of Fame caliber driver. Kyle Busch didn't start out immediately great in a cup car, but he figured it out. Um, and, of course, we see where he is now. Uh, if you, you look at Martin Truex, how many years that he wasn't even a factor, and he basically was almost out of a job. And now he's Hall of Fame uh, ready, basically, as a, as a driver. So that's just some of the guys that go to that are at Gibbs, which is the main team there at Toyota. Um, you have to be more, and then when you look at those two guys, what they've been through relative to that, uh, that's you have to have. It's four races or however many fucking races it's been this season. Was it seven? Okay, fine. Sorry, seven races or not seven races? It is seven races. Jeez, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Didn't think there'd already been seven races this year, but yeah, there's been seven races. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I mean, you're talking about the the, the regular season. We're not even um, a third of the way through the regular season. After this race uh, on Saturday, uh, we'll basically be a third of the way through the regular season, and you know, maybe or the week after that, probably. But because at at uh, Richmond, but you which will be a sunday afternoon race oh that's nice um sunday afternoon race at freaking richmond richmond raceway that's a that's positive um might actually have a better race too um but you look at all that we haven't even really seen the the best of any a lot of these cars out of these teams i think camlin's been up there but Outside of that, you've had flashes for a lot of these teams, other teams that have won, you know, like Bell, uh, Martin, Truex, Logano. Um, you know, they're, they're, some of these drivers that have won so far this year haven't been there every week. I think Logano's been up there pretty good, but there's there are other guys that haven't been there every week. So, um, so we're going to go and find out and we're going to see over this next stretch because there's going to be a lot of different racetracks, a lot of challenges coming along. You're going to have two road course races. You're going to have Dover. You're going to have Talladega. Real challenge, real challenge for sure in regards to this big stretch in the Cup Series uh, season. Um, then we'll go into the GSP roundup here in, uh, this week. We'll first part will be the MotoGP world championship racing last week at Qatar again. And, uh, the Doha Grand Prix, uh, where they had, um, Fabio Quattararo and Johan Zarco finish one, two. Um, and then, well, blinded by hair. That's an, that's one. Uh, Johan Zarco currently leads the world championship by four points over the two Yamaha teammates, Vinales and Quattararo, who um, four points behind. And you have, you know, Jorge Martin, 
on the Premac Ducati. So the Premac Ducati teammates finished second and third. Alex Rins finished fourth for Suzuki. Maverick Vinales fifth. Paco Bagnaya finished sixth. World champion Joan Mir seventh. Brad Binder eighth for KTM. Jack Miller ninth for Ducati. And then the Aprilia of Alex Jaspargo finished 10th. Uh, Ania Bastaini uh, on a Ducati finished 11th. Morbidelli finished 12th. And I think, yeah, Martin Zarco, Vinales, Quattro, Ben Naya. Uh, yeah, so then kind of go through that. In regards to the standings, as I said, um, Zarco with his two seconds is um, up by four with Vin over Vinales, who and Quattro who have matching first and fifth so far. Bagnaya is in fourth and Alex Rins fifth, Joanne Muir sixth. And then you consider that uh, Mark Marquez has not rode a race yet. So the next race, which will be at Portugal, which will be at uh, the Algarve circuit um, in a, a few weeks time. That will be something to see the return of Mark Marquez and will he be able to do what Mark Marquez has been known to do for many, many years, um, which is dominate. Um, something to be seen for sure. We will go also into the Extreme E race this past week. And um, it was the first. Uh, which is in Alua, which was in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, it was the battle between Nico Rosberg's team and Lewis Hamilton's uh, team of the X44. Lewis Hamilton team uh, lost to and finished during yeah. Rosberg was into a celebrate desert X preview with triple rally cross champion, Johan Christofferson and Australian rally driver, Molly Taylor Andretti United. Oh, okay. So Timmy Hansen and Katie Munnings, the Andretti United team finished second. And then yeah, Lewis Hamilton uh, team with Sebastian Loeb, multi-time world rally champion, along with Christina Gutierrez finished third. And the American outfit, uh, other than, I mean, the Andretti United team is an American outfit, I guess, in its own right. But the Ganassi team, which is the Hummer, GMC Hummer EV team, had a rough week weekend. Uh, Sarah Price and uh, her teammate Kyla Duke, a longtime short course off-road racer, um, won many championships, had a couple of crashes. One with um, longtime German uh, sports car, touring car driver, Claudia Hurtgen, um, in during the race itself. So that was a rough one, but it'll be something that we will look at um, as we go further into the year uh, for sure. Another thing to look at is the uh, Formula E. The World Championship will be racing in Italy this weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Mercedes junior driver Nick DeVries won uh, in Saudi a few weeks ago. 
leads a championship. We'll see how that goes, whether um, the Andretti Autosport team can go and take a step forward, whether the Dragon Outfit, which is the other American-based team, can make a move. Will some of the other teams like Tachita, which has John Eric Verne, or not John Eric Verne, they have yeah, and Antonio Felix da Costa, defending world champion, Antonio Felix da Costa, what they'll be able to do um, along with some of the other manufacturers that may have had a struggle in the first race. Um, recently announced today is um, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, otherwise known as Mossport. Uh, their race for the IMSA series has been moved to Watkins Glen on July the 2nd for a two hour and 40 minute sprint race. Um, curious if they're going to run the full circuit, they're going to run the short circuit, probably going to run the full circuit. Seems like they're going to be doing that during the weekend of the uh, six hours at the Glen, which uh, would be really tight. So, you know, six hours. So, Series will stay at the Glen after six hours on June 27th, and then they'll run on Friday. The two-hour phones only count towards canceled. Okay, so they'll be there for so they basically have a bubble there, and they'll run the six hours at the Glen. Then they'll run the the uh, race, uh, the sprint race the week after that. So interesting. Uh, that'll be cool to see. Uh, because Watkins Glen definitely is great for these sports cars and all these classes and definite challenge, um, a little more of a even track relative to some of the other tracks that they have, which may be more centric towards the uh, Cadillac powered cars versus other tracks that might be more centric towards the Hondas or, I mean, the Acuras or you know, Mazdas. The Last part of the um, roundup before we get into the Cup Series and Xfinity is DTM. They're going to be running a GT3-based uh, equipment. Uh, the Audi app team will, or not yeah, Team Rossberg is they're showing there. Rene Rast, uh, they're going to, well, I'm going to switch to Formula E, Rossberg, Nico Muller. And then American rookie Dev Gore. Okay, I have to look at. There's going to be. I've never even heard of him. Reckon he's from. He's an American driver out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and he was originally from Atlanta, Georgia. I literally had never heard of this guy. Oh, he's in the road to Indy for a few years. Wow, look at that! I'd never heard of this guy. That's good. Probably could have heard. He probably was on the ISCP or something. So that's my fault. Sorry, um, Frank and Missy. I literally never heard of this effing guy. But he's in the DTM now. So uh, God bless him. Uh, App Sports Line will also have uh, be a team in the Audi program with, of course, Mike Rockefeller and Kelvin Vanderlinda and um, Sophia Florsch, the woman driver who has a great Instagram and she's sexy. Um, so that's nice. Uh, the BMW 
program will be run by row racing runs in uh endurance they run like the 24 hours of the nurburgring and all whole series those cars from but his elective field two examples m6 they're gonna have timo glock and sheldon vanderlinda and then uh, walking horse motorsports will have marco vitman then you'll have mercedes we'll have daniel ukandela and uh, Mocha Motorsport will have Gary Paffett, and it'll be some and then Hopped Hubert Haupt team will have um, will have Maximilian Gotz and Vincent Abril as a driver. Then you'll have a Windward Racing team. They were in the Rolex Twenty Four this year, and Lucas Auer, Philip Ellis. And then Get Speed will have the Indian driver Arjun Maini um, will be racing this year. So I'll be somebody I'll be looking at, of course, as a brown guy. Um, hopefully, he'll do all right. The uh, Red Bull AlphaTauri Ferrari program that's interesting. Uh, they'll run it, they're going to be running Alexander Albon and Nick Cassidy splitting one ride and Liam Lawson will be running uh, the other car, the former uh, F3, F2 guy. And then Christian Clean will run a McLaren 720S GT3, uh, which looks, it's a cool looking car. It'll be cool to see, but, um, and that'll be, the field for this year mostly mercedes you'll still have the you'll still have the feel of dtm with audi bmw mercedes but you're gonna have some other cars in there so we will see the how that all works out um testing had mercedes up there maximilian gotz and um and vincent abriel and one, two, along with Kelvin Vanderlinden, the apt Audi, Liam Lawson, Nico Muller in the top five. So two Audis, two Mercedes, and then Liam Lawson in fourth, Alexander Albon in sixth. So the Ferraris are up there and uh, we will see how that all goes. So then the two guys, the American driver and the Indian driver in the back. And Sophia Flourish is basically back there too. So convenient. It's a narrative. Uh, We'll move on to the Martinsville race. And uh, this weekend will be a night race on Saturday night, weather permitting, of course. And, uh, you know, the over recent years, we've looked at Denny Hamlin. We've looked at Brad Keselowski. There's guys like that. You know, Martin Truex has had a great uh, recent run there in Martinsville. But what are you looking for, Josh, or who are you looking for? in regards to people that can stand out or possibly um, make a, a charge here this weekend in the uh, Blue Emu 500 at Martinsville on Saturday night. Well, you mentioned a lot of names there, like Martin Truex, and he's been pretty dominant at Martinsville in 2019. He's won last year. That was his only win uh, in Cup last season. Uh, almost won the fall 2018 race when got 
moved out of the way at the last corner by Joey Logano. And that's another name that I think will be competitive as well at Martinsville. Both those drivers have led a lot of laps the last uh, two or three seasons in uh, the, the Cup Series at Martinsville. So I expect both of them to be up front um, in leading laps at this race. You know, I think another driver we have to look at is uh, Chase Elliott, who won this race in the fall at Martinsville. So expect him to be up in the top five and, you know, potentially leading laps and getting stage points there in both stages. Um, and then I think, you know, all of the uh, uh, team Penske, you know, Joey Logano, uh, who I already mentioned, and Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, um, even Matt DiBenedetto as the salary driver for uh, Wood Brothers Racing with Team Penske. Uh, definitely expect all of those guys to finish in the top 10. Um, they they all finished in the top 10 in June last year and then in, in November. So I expect all those cars to be up there at, at Martinsville. Um, I think for a winner, uh, probably will have to go with Martin Truex. He's definitely been very dominant in Martinsville the last couple of years. Uh, hasn't really, you know, done a whole lot lately in the cup series, but I expect him to go out there and win a race here at Martinsville, uh, on Saturday night. Um, uh, it's going to be close between him and Joey Logano, I think. And then I think for a wild card, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace. You know, we talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, he's got Martinsville coming up You know, he's been a great driver at Martinsville over the years in the truck series and finished 11th there in the first Martinsville race in June. Um, uh, probably should have had a top 10. Had some slow pit stops on the 43 last year. So, you know, now he's on the 23. Uh, see if he uh, gets uh, better pit stops there with, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs crew, I guess, on on that car. So uh, expect him to, you know, maybe we'll, we'll say, you know, between 15th and uh, 11th, maybe top 10 for uh, Bubba there. So be interesting to see what kind of a uh, result he gets uh, first race in the 23 at Martinsville. But, you know, ultimately, I think it'll be Martin Truex winning the race here on Saturday night. Solid picks for sure. For me, I'm going to go, uh, you mentioned the Fords, and I'm going to go with a Ford. And I'm going to go with uh, the guy who won the last race uh, at Bristol on the dirt, Joey Logano. I'm going to go with him. He He's a momentum guy for as good as he has been over time. He is a momentum guy when he kind of gets – a win, he kind of puts them together, and I think him and Paul Wolf are such a great combination that they they have a kind of run. And this is a you know I said about Denny Hamlin, you said it about I said it about Brad. This kind of run right here also suits Joey. Uh, these racetracks are all racetracks he's won at uh, recently. Um, I think Joey Logano is the guy to beat. On Saturday night, he will um, not really going and reaching that far in a sense that he will be starting on the pole. Uh, you know, Hamlin will be on the outside pole of uh, White Bread and then Ryan Blaney on row two, Clyde and O. Richard, row three, Martin Truax uh, and Nonek in row four, Harvick, who was showing his daughter. Piper how to drive and she had this evil laugh which would probably made uh, Delana's heart sink because now she's getting into it too now uh, Brad Keselowski will be starting 10th Suarez who had a great run at uh, Bristol on the dirt was 11th with Kyle Busch Reddick McDowell um, Chris Busher your top 15 Eric Jones will start 16th 
I know some of the other people that have won this year. Larson starts 19th. Uh, Chris Bell starts 23rd. Then after that, yeah, that's it. Um, and there's only 37 cars for this race. Um, they basically alienated uh, the 66 crew. So um, good job to NASCAR by showing uh, their ability to really cultivate talent and want to have a competitive field. Uh, so that'll be uh, something to see. And uh, in terms of a wild card uh, pick, I, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say Ryan Priest. Uh, he's outside of the playoff right now. He's a guy that's basically on, you know, in because they're an open car, they uh, don't have all the funds full the cash guaranteed but he recently won last week he won a modified race he knows that's his fallback measure he can make money doing that but i know he also wants to keep on showing well and and do what's necessary to try to stay in the series because he feels like he belongs and he's going to start 17th actually so he has a chance this is his kind of racetrack he's made his money and it's his bread and butter uh, to go and run on uh, flat, you know, flat short tracks for sure. The Cookout 250, uh, they sponsor Bob Le Bobby Labonte and the Modifieds and the Southern Tour, but they're also going to sponsor this race um, on Saturday, the first race for the Dash for Cash. Um, I brought up the fact that Gagson uh, will even make it to even be in a position to win the dash for cash. I have a hard time believing that's going to be the case based on his uh, behavior and history, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. There's going to be, what is it? There are 40 cars, uh, the same cars that have failed to qualify every race this year, continue to fail to qualify because of a stupid algorithm. Matt Jaskell is driving for uh, for Carl Long. Uh, you have some guy I've never heard of in the 90. Matt Mills is going to cause a caution there. Blaine Perkins in the 23. Now, Josh Berry is going to be starting 29, so that'll be interesting to see him move up through the field. Brandon Godovic will be in the 26 this week instead of uh, root beer float head. Um, you have on the good Brockshot Jones is starting 24th, and uh, Ty Gibbs will be starting 16th, so that'll be uh, something to see. Uh, Landon Castle top 15 starts, so good for him on that, and uh, yeah, so uh, the dash for cash. I'm trying to look for uh, the information in regards to that and making sure that they um, you know, identify the four drivers that um, because that was the last race so it was the top four yeah it's uh, race. so Braxton. it's Allgaier Burton, Gagson and AJ Allmendinger yep. are the four drivers so I guess the uh, notion is do you think one of the Dash for Cash guys can or is the winner here? If so who? 
If not, who do you look at as the favorite and a possible wild card for Friday night? Yeah, so uh, for the Dashford Cash guys, uh, I think possibly just Nagar could win out of those guys. I mean, he finished second in this uh, race in the fall. So um, I guess out of the dash for cash guys, I'd look out for him. But Harrison Burton uh, won this race in the fall, and I expect him to repeat, actually. Uh, he's been a pretty good short track driver, and he's got a lot of background in short track racing, uh, cutting his teeth growing up in short track racing. So expect him to be the winner there. But Justin Algar could also be a contender. He's been pretty good at Martinsville so far uh, in his history at in the Xfinity Series. Um you know, AJ's been pretty good too, um, but Gregson, you know, that's the storyline. I feel like a lot of people are looking out, seeing what's going to happen to Gregson. And yeah, you know, I feel like he'll probably get moved out of the way at the end by Hamrick or by somebody else that he managed to uh, piss off during that race. So you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, could end up just, you know, being a, a non-factor throughout the day too. That's definitely possible where, you know, maybe uh, Hamrick is too nice and, saves it for you know a later time uh that uh that could be useful for who knows but uh for him i mean we'll see what happens uh he's either gonna uh checkers or wreckers that's basically been his season so far um been pretty uneven he's had a lot of a lot of good runs i guess throughout the race but then doesn't have a good finishes for gregson but i think uh you know for the wild card um uh it's a tough tough wild card you know there's a lot of guys that you can pick um um, you, you can, you know, pick somebody like Landon Castle, or you can pick Ryan Sieg or Jeremy Clements, or then you can go and pick somebody like Ty Gibbs, who technically is a wild card because, uh, he hasn't started in the X Xfinity series, uh, ever outside of the road course at Daytona. So, um, you could pick him just because of the lack of experience at Martinsville, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, Ryan Sieg here. Uh, he's been pretty good throughout his career as a, you know, as a driver in the Xfinity series and definitely made a name for himself uh, so far and has, you know, slowly been competitive throughout his career in the Xfinity series. The last couple of seasons, he's, you know, started to get a lot better results than he did at the beginning of his career. So I'm going to go with him, see where he finishes. You know, maybe he gets a top 10 finish or something like that. Maybe they figure out some strategy and they can get uh, the stage points there, whether that's, you know, a fifth place stage finish in stage one or two, or maybe they somehow figure out and get a stage win. So I'll go with him for a wild card there. Good picks. Good picks. I, I'm going to go with Adderall Meninger for the win. He had a fast race car in November uh, when they ran there. And he's, as you said, Josh, he's been good at Martinsville before he ran well there for RPM. He also finished second there in a Penske, the Penske 22 car. Uh, he ran well for JTG Doherty there. So I think it suits his style and the way he drives uh, very well, AJ Allmendinger, and it'd be a good spot for him to go get another win and kind of solidify not i mean you know he's going to make the playoff but it's like solidify your spot kind of give yourself an opportunity to take some chances especially where his bread and butter is is the road courses and you know talladega is going to be a race where colleague is going to be up front as well so there's some opportunities coming up here in the next few weeks for aj allmendinger and that organization in general in terms of a wild card 
driver. Uh, I'm looking at this, and I mean, you could make the you can make the argument for Ty Gibbs, but it's very hard in the sense that he is a B1 already, and it's a Gibbs car. My wild card is going to be Josh Berry because the guy is a freaking – he's a national champion, last year's national champion in late models, and this is a late models stronghold racetrack as Martinsville, one of the biggest races of the year, takes place there. So he has plenty of experience. He's one of the best the talents there is in the sport, but he's never had the money. Uh, he's basically hold making, keeping the seat warm for um, Sam Mayer. But Josh Berry, I think, is going to be an entertaining uh, drive up through the field. His pit position is probably going to cost him uh, during the race. But he's otherwise um, good job by whoever wrote this in the in the starting lineup is B SAS Pro Shops. So that's good for um, Gagson. Uh, but yeah, I think those are the picks for me in regards to the cookout 250 at Martinsville. From there, uh, get into the um, sim segment for Josh. Were you able to, uh, during the Easter weekend, get into any major sim races or anything you want to tell us about? your sim exploits as we move towards uh, IndyCar season taking off in earnest and other series as well. Yeah, for me, I uh, didn't really do a lot during the Easter weekend, but I did race a couple races throughout last week uh, on iRacing Super Speedway. The NASCAR Cup Series uh, Class A series was there uh, last week at, at that track, and um the last race that I did was pretty good. Uh, I started uh, 25th. Uh, I didn't even qualify the car. Uh, didn't have enough time to qualify. I just managed to be able to get in to uh, start the race. So I started 25th and made my way up through the field, passed a lot of cars and, um, you know, avoided the wrecks and finished in second in that one. Uh, I didn't stream it, but I should have. Um, I did save the replay, so maybe I'll go and re-upload that to YouTube or uh, put that or stream the replay of that from, from the iRacing replay thing. So maybe I'll do that. But the one interesting thing I'll bring up about that one is, uh, the, one of the guys on the, the race, uh, I guess he was behind me for like, once I got up into the top 10 and I was around him a lot and he keyed the mic and on the voice chat and, and told me that I did a really good job setting up passes. And he said, the, the way that you set up these passes is pretty beautiful. You know, definitely learned a lot from from you and I, I thought it was pretty cool you know never gotten complimented like that uh in a sim race before so that was pretty good um and you know I talked to him at the end and he was like you know he definitely I I guess I definitely taught him something for how to pass on a super speedway like that uh how to set up a run and you know pass people on the corner especially with that track being basically a single file uh track now uh with the way the iRacing draft model works on super speedways so, you know, that was a, was a good comment, positive uh, feedback from that. And then uh, did a little bit of uh, IndyCar testing at Watkins Glen. Uh, didn't race, but, uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of uh, road course experience on the IndyCar side. And Wat Watkins Glen is a you know pretty easy track to get acclimated to. I mean, it's a tough track, but, you know, it's, it's uh, pretty uh, friendly, I guess, 
to uh, you know people who aren't really experienced on the uh, road course side with the Indy car. So um, my lap times, um, I guess we're, I mean, I'm not gonna say where my lap times were like compared to like what a regular race would look like, but I mean, I, I felt confident about my pace, I guess. So if they, you know, whenever they return to Watkins Glen, I guess, or any other road course, you know, have a little bit more confidence, I guess, uh, competing in a road course on the IndyCar side. So, you know, that'll be interesting. Um, this week, uh, not sure what on the table for sim racing. Um, I think iRacing is doing like a uh, 400 lap race uh, with the 1987 NASCAR car at, uh, Wat or not Watkins Glen, but at uh, North Wilkesboro. So not sure if I'm going to have enough time over the weekend to do uh, any of those races, but uh, that might be interesting if, uh, you know, if you want to watch or something, I'm sure there's probably somebody streaming it or there's an official stream. So uh, that should be an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to compete, but uh, if I do I'll let you know, so um, that's all I got for the sim stuff. And for me, my, um, my hobby is the bowling and bowling game has been improving at times more 200 games. And I think I, I bowled, a, I bowled them in my life, but not at a very high frequency. And now all of a sudden, seems to be a weekly or daily occurrence, um, which is a positive and uh, having fun meeting new people and trying to make more connections on top of that. So no matter what's going on, staying busy with work, but then the bowling games coming along equipment game uh, using uh, a nuclear cell, roto grip, pin down drill. Um, then I have a pin up IQ tour, uh, Pearl Emerald, and uh, you have a new T-zone spare ball, which, of course, me and the spares, if I could ever start picking spares on a regular basis, I'd be uh, not cashing checks like they are trying to cash at the U.S. Open this week for the PBA Tour, but be able to win a lot more often. So there's that, and you know, we're healthy, we're here, and we're um, doing what we have to do. So I'm going to end this uh gsp here tonight uh, next we have two episodes basically be back uploaded at once uh, because last week got you know kind of busy and then kind of let it go because it was easter weekend uh, josh where can we find you on social media yeah as always uh twitter you can follow me at jp huffine and see all my takes about uh racing in general and probably you know some football stuff coming up you know we got the nfl draft coming up soon and obviously big big uh opportunity there um we'll leave the listeners to wonder why and it's pretty obvious but you know if you know me it's a big thing coming up with the draft uh and then you know with uh the sim stuff as always you know follow at twitch.tv slash usailor2 uh streaming iRacing um maybe some other video games or whatever madden or uh, Call of Duty, there's this new game called Outriders, which I uh, started playing last weekend. So that's a pretty fun game there, uh, third-person shooter game. So um, that's where you can follow me for sim racing and gaming in general. Yeah, and follow Josh because he definitely has the skills and the class in regards to uh, his quality and standard of driving compared to a lot of the people he drives with. He drives at a very high level and on top of that he's the analytics side that he has which is makes him much more um, adept 
especially in these longer races. Although hopefully we can get into some of those big, big dog races and you can use your strategy and um, endurance side and bring that uh, in a play. And we'll definitely be watching that on twitch.tv slash you sailor too. And of course, follow you on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip G. Matthew. You can follow us at grip strip pod on Twitter. You know, we don't have anywhere near as many followers as that podcast that wanted a ratio Bubba Wallace, but we're, and we're not going to say we're the number one podcast of anything. Um, I don't need to. I think our work speaks for itself in the sense that we have passion, we care, we have knowledge, uh, we show up and we cover all different types of motorsports. We're not a one-trick pony. Um, we don't need to copy anybody else's format. We're not trying to be anybody else. We're doing our own thing here on the GSP. Um, and we'll talk about all kinds of motorsports. We'll talk about sports. NFL draft in a few weeks' time is definitely going to be a nervous time. Um, not as much for Josh and his Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, since they already know who they're going to pick, I think who they're going to pick after that, after the guy they get number one, uh, is more important in regards to the overall health of him and the organization. Uh, who gets picked number three could dictate whether I'm a 49ers fan or not. Um, if I have a guy that has more DWIs than a certain person, uh, gets picked number three, then I'm going to become a Buffalo Bills fan. I've already said it um, to friends and uh, jo- I don't know if I said it to Josh, but now you know that um, I'll become a Buffalo Bills fan if they draft Mac Jones uh, because that's ridiculous to trade that much capital for a wannabe Kirk Cousins and a guy who has a comparison to Matt Leinart uh, is pretty fucking terrible. And um, would basically be the end of me uh, after all these years of designers. And I, I would I'd just become a Buffalo Bills fan. It'd be easier. I'll just buy a Josh Allen jersey. I'll, I'll wear it on the show, whatever. I'll, I'll be a mark. I'll get put through a table, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll do the whole thing. I'll be a part of the Ma- Bills Mafia uh, for sure. If, if they draft Mac Jones, I hope not. Um, you're smoking mirrors, of course. There's a whole lot of things going on. Um, my hope is they draft Trey Lance. I can even deal with Justin Fields, but we'll see. We got a few weeks to go before that happens. Hopefully we do the show um, before the draft, day one of the draft, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we're on uh, everywhere. You can you can find us on at philipgmatthew.com, which is a WordPress site. Uh, where I had my old blogs and also the show gets posted and you can find us on Podbean, uh, Apple podcasts, um, Amazon music, Stitcher, and, uh, you know, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the grip strip podcast. So give us a like, listen, um, download the whole bit and, Follow us so that we can go and we know that we're doing something right here. Uh, With that, we'll come back next week, talk about the Martinsville races and whatever else is going on in the world of motorsports here on the Gripstrip podcast, along with sports. And uh, with that also, we'll go and stay safe, 
uh, take care of one another, uh, social distance, wear a mask. Um, God bless and good night.